Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to encourage everybody here tonight that if you are uh, in a seat where you can't see the screen real well, that uh, in a moment when we pray, that maybe you find a spot where you can see the screen real well. We'll be uh, using that a little more than usual tonight, and uh, part of the message, it'll be crucial that you see that. I am on, Brother Joe, on my pack, but I don't seem to be on here. Okay. If, if need be, just let me know. Okay, we're good to go. We can work off the pulpit here. Hebrews 12, let's stand this evening for the reading of God's Word. We'll be reading the first two verses together. It says, uh, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. A very familiar passage, and I don't pretend to preach a sermon out of this passage uh, that you've never heard, but maybe draw out some things from a little different angle. The title of the message this evening is simply this, Grace for the Pace. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us tonight as we uh, look at these, this passage and, uh, and, Lord, some other verses from other passages and consider those, Lord, that you'd help us to commit to, um, to run the race you've put in front of us. And, Lord, not to just run it for a day or a week or a month, but, Lord, to run it long term and determine that we're going to run it all the way until we cross that finish line when we enter into heaven. And so, Lord, give us attention tonight. And, Lord, help us to gather some things from the message that can help make us more like your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, the Bible uses all kinds of analogies to help us understand the Christian life, right? Uh, one of those is that of running a race. I'm curious, is there anybody in the auditorium, whether current or past, you at some point have experienced or been involved in long distance running? Would you hold up your hand? I got one over here, a couple over here, another one over here, a couple more over here. Okay. Um, do I see your hand over here a little bit? No, maybe you're scratching your nose. Okay, uh, that was a long distance run to the nose there. No, um, uh, running has its own cult following. Is that true with the mark? People that run, you have to be a runner to understand what they, how they think and what they do. Um, now, I'm not a long distance runner. I never have been. And by the looks of things, I probably never will be. Um, uh, uh, back uh, whenever I did the most running I've ever done in my life, I could run about a six and a half minute mile uh, on a treadmill. I don't know if that's the same as a real six and a half minute mile. It's not. It's probably like a nine minute mile, right? But uh, it was uh, nonetheless, uh, that was the running that I did. But uh, I've never done any serious long distance running. I'm curious this evening, how many of you here have participated at some point in your life, you have participated in a 5K race? Would you hold your hand up if you've participated? Now, keep it up if you ran the whole thing. No, I'm just teasing. I know how those things go, right? We're going to do a 5K for charity and like two kilometers in, you're like, I'm done. Okay, five uh, Ks. How many of you here have ever ran or participated in, ran, walked a half marathon? All right, we got two. Wow, I didn't. That's my brother. I didn't even know that about him. Shame on me. Okay. Uh, how many of you here have ever participated, ran, walked, and completed a full marathon? All right, give for the mark a round of applause. That's that's that's, that's impressive. Being a runner, long distance runner, you know what that is? That's a lifestyle choice. That's a lifestyle choice. It's not for the faint of heart. My freshman year, I had two roommates that had just come out of the Marine Corps and finished their term in the Marine Corps. They left the Marine Corps together and they came to Bible college and one slept on the bunk above me and one slept on the bunk next to me on top. And I've talked about them before, Brian and Floyd, and man, they were like, they ran that room. We, when lights went out, everyone went to sleep or else. I mean, they were in charge. Uh, but um, uh, they, would, they would come back from classes, they would change, and they would go on a five to ten mile run. 
and come back and they would be hardly having even broken a sweat. They say, I feel good. I feel like now I'm ready to tackle the day. And they would do that first thing in the morning, like at times too. And it was bizarre. I, I never understood it. Uh, we got to talk in, uh, uh, recently in a conversation and someone was saying, yeah, when I go to the gym and run, I just feel better the rest of the day. And I thought back to the time where I used to go to the gym three or four days a week and, and I would run a mile on the treadmill, which is probably like a half a mile, but I'd run a mile on the treadmill and I would be exhausted the rest of the day. I was worthless the rest of the day. I'd stumble into staff meeting at the church and the pastor would say, you went to the gym again today, didn't you? <laughs> It's that obvious, huh? Uh, but uh, running is a lifestyle choice. And those that take running serious uh, uh, and compete with it, they change everything about the way they live. They, they watch what they eat. Uh, they pay attention not only to how much they sleep, but the position they sleep in to maximize their joint uh, uh, usage. Uh, they watch uh, they, they even change their hairstyle so that doesn't get in the way on race day. They uh, they have a very specific workout regimen that they work through in order to keep their body in tip top Perfect peak performance shape. It is, to be a competitive runner, it is a total life commitment. It touches everything you do. Everything you do. Now, when you got saved, God put you on His race team. And just as though a runner is supposed to change his lifestyle, our lifestyles are supposed to change too. They're supposed to radically change. And someone that is on a race team versus someone who's going to tune into it and watch it on TV, they're going to look totally different. You know, it's funny to me, if you watch a, a, a sporting event, especially if you go to a stadium and you watch a football game. Let's say you're a Patriots fan, God bless your soul, but you're a Patriots fan and you go up to uh, New England and you're at Gillette Stadium and you're, you're taking in the game. The people who are in the best shape in the stadium are on the field. The people that are in the worst shape in the stadium are in the stands. Oftentimes they've got a hot dog in one hand and a beverage in another hand. We won't talk about what in the beverage, but a beverage in the other hand. And there they are taking in the game and you have this tip-top athlete and boy, he's doing the best he can and he makes a mistake and these out-of-shape, worthless human beings, they're, they get all upset, they start booing and it's said, well, let's put you out there, buddy, and see how well you do. Usually the Christians that are are on the sidelines are the biggest critics of those that are in the race. But that doesn't change the fact that when you got saved, you got put on the race team. You got given a race put in front of you by the Lord Jesus Christ and you are to run that race. You are to run that race. Now to be an effective uh, runner in the race that God has called you to, it takes serious commitment. It takes serious commitment. Many of the things that a dedicated Christian does, it's going to seem odd to the world around them. Some time ago, I was watching sports science on ESPN, and they were going through the dietary regimen of an athlete and how they get through a, of a baseball player, how this baseball player gets through a 162 game season and showing what they eat, uh, what they take in for breakfast and lunch and dinner. And obviously not every baseball player watches what they eat. Just look at, you know, some of the pictures for the Yankees and you can kind of see that, you know, they're pot bellied out there, right? So they're not every baseball player is in tip top shape, but this one was. And what he put into his body, I kind of turned my nose at and said, that's gross. How can he do that? And listen, there are going to be things that you do as a Christian so that you can run your race for the Lord the most effective that people out in the world, they're going to laugh and scoff at and make fun of. And they're just flat out not going to understand. But you know you've been put in a race by the Lord Jesus Christ and you're going to give it your best. Now, I propose that just as Christ ran his race and won the prize that was set before him, we are called to follow his example and do exactly the same. We must train. We must face the struggles and see our way through them. We must know that uh, uh, why it is that we are running the race of the Christian life and we must do it with patience 
and purpose. Patience and purpose. Our Savior and those faithful saints who have gone on before, having finished the race, uh, they stand at the finish line cheering us on uh, that we uh, run with dedication and determination. They plead with us that we don't give up. Uh, when the going gets tough and the temptation is to walk off the track uh, 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 and and stop doing the work and the wa- uh, the work of God and having our walk with God and that uh, their encouragement is that we push through and continue on. Now I also propose that if you find yourself sitting on the sidelines, maybe you've walked off the track. And you've taken a break and you said, I don't know about this and I'm saved. That's good enough. And I've put on the brakes. I've come to a halt. I'm just going to sit in the bleachers and watch my friend. It's never too late to get back in the race. Never too late tonight. You can get up and decide that I have a Christian race in front of me and I'm going to run it. Some of you here are running some version of the Christian race, but you know, you're not doing it on the level that God wants you to do it. Tonight is the time to get back in the race. So we're going to look at four thoughts this evening about this topic. Grace for the pace. Let's jump in. Number one, notice the start of your race, the start of your race. Turn your, turn your Bibles over to 2 Timothy chapter 4 with me, if you could. And also Acts chapter 9. Find your way over to both of those places. 2 Timothy 4 and Acts chapter 9. Paul would be the one that would use this analogy the most. And it had great relevance to it because uh, during that time, there were uh, the Olympic competitions that would take place. And one of the main events was the track, was the races. Was the running it was quite a bit different then than it is now. Obviously, they didn't have all of the fancy tracks that we have and the shoes that we have, and technology uh, wasn't there to help them the way it is now. And uh, the people that would race were different than now, and uh, they would do all kinds of crazy things to get you to run faster. In fact, when they were trying to get a man to break that four-minute mile, at one point they released lions on people to try to get them to run that much faster. Right? So they would do. Uh, they had all kinds of extreme and crazy tactics, but everyone was familiar with the Olympic Games that would take place in Corinth. Everyone was familiar with it. And so this was an analogy that Paul could use that would resonate with people. And when Paul is getting down to the end of his life, look at chapter 4, verse 7, 2 Timothy 4, 7. It says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now, Paul knows that his execution uh, by the hands of the Roman government is coming soon. He knows this. He knows that his work for the Lord is done. And as he closes this letter out, he's writing his last epistle that he would write. And he's getting ready to go to the guillotine, history would tell us, and have his head removed from his body and go on and see his Savior. And he's going to finish his race. You You say, well, Pastor, I thought the point was the start of your race. Well, this is Paul at the end. The question is, where did the race begin for Paul? Turn over to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, look at me at verse number 1. We see Paul in a different race uh, in chapter 8 and before that. He's breathing out threatenings of the church. In fact, look at chapter 9, verse 1. And Saul, this is the same guy. We later have his name changed to Paul. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter, slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he f- uh, found any of this way, Christians, whether they were men or w- women, he might uh, bring them bound unto Jerusalem and As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks or you're not giving in to the convicting hand that I'm putting on you. Verse six, and he and he trembling and astonished said, Lord. What wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee uh, uh, what thou must do. So he gets up and he goes into the city, and he, now he's blind. He had seen what I believe to be the Lord Jesus in all of his glory, and it, it was so bright that it took his vision away. And he went in, and he would sit in a house by himself, and God would tell a man who was a prophet by the name of Ananias that he was to go in and help him. Now, remember, Saul's got a nasty reputation. Everyone knew who Saul was. 
Everyone knew to avoid Saul, stay away from Saul. He had locked people in prison. He had been responsible for the death of, of Stephen just a couple of chapters earlier. And people knew to stay away from him. So when God came to Ananias and said, go see Saul, he said, that Saul? And he said, yep, that Saul. Go see him. I've got a plan for him. And you say, well, Pastor, Paul, uh, Saul had just gotten saved. Surely God's going to give him some time to sort of catch his breath and learn some doctrine and sit on a pew somewhere and figure things out. And then he's going to start his race. Well, not quite. Look down at verse 17. Look down at 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. And putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forwith and arose and was baptized. So he's, he's now saved. And the very next thing is he gets baptized. Look at verse 19. And when he, Saul, had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with disciples which were at Damascus. Verse 20, and straightway, it doesn't say he delayed, straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. When did the race start for Saul? Boy, he got saved, he got baptized, he had some food, and he went straight into the synagogues and he began to preach Christ. That's similar to what happened with the woman at the well, right? You remember the woman at the well? You remember how she put down her water pot and straightway the Bible says she went in the city and said, come see a man that had told me everything I've done. Surely this man is the son of God. Isn't this similar to uh, the shepherds we looked at a couple of weeks ago? They went in and saw the baby Jesus and immediately they left and they broadcasted around and told everyone, come and see, or rather we have seen the Messiah. Boy, it was natural. When When does your race start? Have you put your faith and trust in Christ to save you? Then you have a race in front of you to run. Now, the end result of the race is that we please our Savior. Can I tell you something tonight? The race that God calls you to and the race that God calls me to, they're not going to be the same race. In fact, that race is personalized for you. Personalized for you. God is taking me on a long journey since I've been saved. April 8th, 1988, as a 4-year-old boy, I put my faith and trust in Jesus, and God has had a specific race He's wanted me to run. He's had landmark checkpoints He's wanted me to cross, and He's had spiritual checkpoints He's wanted me to cross. And I'm going to tell you, I have missed some of the marks along the way. I haven't always been where God's wanted me to be. And sometimes I have uh, sat down discouraged. And other times I haven't gone where I'm supposed to go. But God's race for Pastor Lejeune in 2018 going into 19 is that I pastor White Oak Baptist Church. But that's not the race God's called you to. God's called you to a different race. For some of you here tonight, that race is for you to lead your family to be God. For some of you here tonight, that race is for you to be an example of what God would have you to be at school when you go there. For others of you here, it's work. And others of you here, it's college and being faithful to the Lord at college. For all of us here, it's that we're faithful to the Lord at church. And while our tracks at times come together, such as tonight, uh, uh, we'll, we'll get up and we'll leave here tonight and our tracks will part. And where you will run will be different where, than where I will run. But God has a specific specific course for you. And the question is, are you running the race that he has in front of you? The start of the race. Number two, notice the struggles during your race. The struggles during your race. Can you turn? Is, is my mic not working? OK, I'll have to stay behind the pulpit here. Those on the live stream, I apologize. I didn't know my mic wasn't working, so I hope you picked up some of that. Uh, the struggles during your race. Let me give you three distractions or three uh, three struggles here that come along. Can I tell you that if you're going to run the Christian uh, race, if you're going to run the Christian race, it, it, it's not always going to be a cakewalk. It's not always going to be fun, right? Uh, there are going to be times where you're running and you get cramps. There are times where you're running and you experience an injury. Right? How many times where you're running along the course and you're just going to be sick of running? How many of you here, don't raise your hand, but I wonder how many of you here have ever gone to church and you're like, I'm here because I'm supposed to be, but I'm not here because I want to be. 
Am I the only one that's happened to? I probably, it's probably happened to all of us, hasn't it? Um, struggles during your race. And that's really where your character comes out. Let me give you three struggles that face the Christian as they run the Christian life. And I guarantee you, you're going to face all three of these in 2019. How are you going to handle them? Letter A, notice, distractions. Distractions. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1. It says, wherefore, seeing we are, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Look here. Let us lay aside every weight. You know what the weights are? They're distractions. Distractions along the way. Let me give you a visual, humorous example of what distractions during a race look like. Roll the tape. How it's supposed to be done. All right. Joe, uh, you take it back to distractions there. Um, that first dog got it done, didn't he? That second one, he, he crossed the finish line, but boy, he, he took the he took the long route. He took the long route. Um, from a pastoral standpoint, I see that I see that play out with Christians all the time. Well, we got church Sunday morning. Oh, but I got this over here. And I got that over there. And I got to do this over here. And I got this going on over here. And Satan puts a chew toy in front of you. Or a, or a bowl of dog food over here for you. And it's, it's pick up the dog toy and, 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 and play with this for a minute. And it's run over here and do this for a little bit. And the pastor's coming up to you and saying, Hey, I haven't seen you in church in a little bit. Hey, you, you've been slacking that ministry you committed to. Uh, where you been? And, and oh, I gotta go over here and make this money. And I gotta go over here and get this done. And, and, and God's saying, I've given you a race to run. And you are distracted. Christian, Satan is very good at dropping temptations along the way. And he knows just how to get you. And in 2019, you've got to decide those temptations that sidetracked me in 2018, they're not going to get me this year. Paul became very despondent over a fellow Christian who had just totally thrown in the towel on his Christian race because of distractions. Second Timothy 4.10, we find this, Paul says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed. You know what happened to Demas? He was like that golden retriever. He was running and running and running and running. But he was running... The wrong way. He was chasing things that don't matter. Can I tell you something tonight? If you make extra money in 2019, but you've got to compromise your Christian faith to do it, that money's a chew toy that's kept you from running the race that matters. If you get to spend more time with your family this year, but you have to sacrifice doing the work of the Lord that you know He's called you to do, or being faithful to church like He's called you to do, shame on you. Shame on you. Put your eyes on the finish line and run the race and say no to distractions. Letter B, notice discouragement. Discouragement. Look with me at Acts chapter 15, if you would. Can you turn over there, Acts 15? And I believe here that this gets a lot of people. If you have um, a Bible that's got all 66 books in it, um, or even a New Testament, you'll find the second book was written by a man by the name of Mark. John Mark. 
And um, John Mark has an interesting story. John Mark was running his race, and he experienced some discouragement, and he quit. And then later he got back in the race and finished, ran hard. And so credit to John Mark for that. But um, I think a lot of us can relate with John Mark. Look at chapter 15, verse 37. It says, And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the, uh, the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. What happened was that they were on their missionary journey. They had John Mark with them. That Things got tough. It wasn't as easy as uh, uh, maybe John Mark thought it would be. He got discouraged along the way and he abandoned the ship. He abandoned the trip and he went home and left John Mark and Paul to have to, or rather Paul and, and Barnabas to try to have to figure things out. And now here you have uh, them finishing up and Barnabas wants to bring John Mark on the next trip and Paul's like, no, 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 no. We learned last Last time, this guy can't be faithful. This guy can't run his race. He's going to quit again. We're leaving him behind. And, and Paul and Barnabas ended up parting ways on this. Now, Barnabas would take John Mark, and John Mark would make himself valuable again to the work of the Lord. He would get back in the race and run. And i got to say, Paul was wrong in not letting John Mark back in the race with him. Uh, but John Mark got discouraged. Here's what I want to draw tonight. John Mark did get discouraged, and for a while, he went and sat on the sidelines. Some of you here tonight, you have faced some disheartening, heartbreaking stuff. And I can get into tonight and categorically why you're discouraged. But some of you here tonight, you're just flat out discouraged. Your expectations haven't been met one way or the other, and... You're just kind of numb inside. And you wonder why you should keep doing what you've been doing. Because it just hasn't really seemed to work very well for you, has it? And I have to say tonight that when you don't feel like doing what's right, you've got to keep pressing on and doing what's right. I know that as a boy, uh, when I was uh, in P.E. class, they would make us run a mile we, uh, I went to a Central Baptist School. It was the ministry I got saved in. And back behind that ministry, there was a long street that, that kind of eld around. And it was a back, back road. No one ever went down it. And all the way down and back was exactly a mile. And so they would send us down to the stop sign and back. And that would be a mile run. And I can remember while I was running, I'd get these pains in my side. How many of you have ever experienced this while running? I think we probably all have, right? And um, and I used to would like to quit at that and say, well, I just I don't I don't think I can keep running. And I remember my dad saying to me, if you keep running, eventually it will go away. And you know what? He was right. And I would run and I'd run through it. And sometimes as a Christian in the Christian race, we're running along and something comes along that really discourages us. And we have that spiritual pain in our side and it can be intense and going to church can be tough. But I gotta tell you, reading, getting up and reading your Bible and praying can be hard. You feel like, why am I doing this? And you're in a cloud, you have a cloud over your head and you're just despondent. And I gotta say, if you keep pushing through, the cloud will go away, the pain will leave, and you will continue to press on and see better days for the Lord. But do not give up. John Mark was discouraged and he sat on the sideline, but he decided that he wasn't going to quit. He got back up and he got back in the race and he finished. Uh, the third reason I have tonight why, uh, why uh, th- the third struggle I'd like to mention tonight is that of depletion. Depletion. During the 1992 Barcelona Olympics, uh, a, a runner from Great Britain named Derek Redmonds pulled his hamstring in the race. Derek Redmonds was either favored to win or toward the top of the field as a possible winner. But he pulled his hamstring in the race. And what took place next was nothing short of amazing. Let's roll the tape.
video the video doesn't show it, but his dad would let go of him just short of the finish line, and he would walk across it all by himself, determined to finish. Uh, what I read about that account was that as his dad was holding him and helping him uh, through, he, his dad told him, he said, if you quit, no one will think less of you. And he said, quitting's not an option. I will cross that finish line. I will cross that finish line. You see the agony and pain on his face, but he's determined. He was just determined he was going to finish. How about you, Christian? I've been there, spiritually, where I've pulled a hamstring, where someone's kicked me, played dirty in the race and knocked me down, where I've made a bad decision and I've hurt myself. I've also watched other Christians get there and quit. I don't know who here tonight would be there, but there's a good chance someone's listening to my voice and you're on the edge of walking off the track. Don't do it. Don't do it. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 3 with me. It says, therefore, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint. Look here. In your mind. In your mind. Now, I've never been a long distance runner, but I have been an athlete. I've played on sports teams and I've been pushed to my limits physically. Can I tell you where you'll give up first? You'll give up in your mind. The body is so much more capable than the mind is. And pushing through mental barriers is key. Some of you here tonight say, I can't keep uh, doing uh, this spiritual action. I can't keep being faithful to church. I can't keep working my class. I can't keep that bus route. I can't keep uh, uh, helping uh, in the nursery. I can't help. I can continue doing uh, uh, all of the duties I'm supposed to do as a as a family man or a family woman or a relative or a child. And, and, and it's getting to me. And, and I, I just I'm running thin. And I got to say, hey, don't don't faint in your mind. That's where you'll give up first. And you've got to have a dog determination that says, no matter what, I will finish the race that Christ has put in front of me. We'll finish. He wouldn't have put the race there. Oh, there it is. He wouldn't have put the race there if he didn't believe you could do it. He wouldn't have put it in front of you if he didn't think you could handle it. And the race that Christ has tailor-made for you and prepared for you is exactly what he has in mind to refine you and turn you into the Christian man or woman that he wants you to be. Number three, notice the strengths for your race or the strength for your race. The strength for your race. I'm going to quickly give you an A, B, C, and a D here. I used to watch um, the race, the uh, marathon race in the Olympics. And then I figured out that there are better uses of my time because the U.S. is never, ever going to win. <laughs> it's always someone from an African country. Is it Liberia? Liberia always wins. What's the country? Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Yeah, they're like first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Right? It feels that way anyway, right? Kenya. Kenyans are really fast. And the U.S. guy is always like 35th. He's way, 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 way back there. And uh, so I, I thought for national pride, I just can't watch this. I'm going to go watch the women's soccer team or something, right? I mean, watch something where we can actually compete and win. But I used to watch the race, and what I saw is they would have tables along the way where they would have drinks where these guys could... While they're running, pick up the drink and drink it and just keep on going. I believe they may even put like protein bars and things there for them. I'm not sure about that. But they have things along the way that help them, that provide strength for them, that proper diet, that preparation. But I believe that for the Christian, Hebrews 12 outlines some strengths for our race. Letter A, notice, run with purpose. Run with purpose. Look with me at Hebrews 12.1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run. Let us run. You know what you got to do in order to run? you got to run with purpose. 
You had a Roman purpose. There has to be, please hear me on this, there has to be distinct goals that you are trying to accomplish in the Christian life. Otherwise, it turns into this ambiguous idea that, that just becomes cyclical in nature. And you get up and you read your Bible and pray on a, a, during the week. And you go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. And you get up and you do it all over again. And you get to the end of the year and you're no really no different than you were the previous year. You may be a little better, but you don't really notice anything. Because you did not put purposed goals in front of you that you want to accomplish. And so run with purpose. Hey, let me ask you this tonight. What is it that you want to do materially that you can write down? What is it that you want to do in 2019 that will make you a better Christian than you did in 2018? Do you know? Do you know? Or are you just floating through the Christian life? Hey, you brought me in here to be your pastor, so I would push you to be better, a better Christian for the Lord. And so take the admonishment and write something down and, and become a better Christian for the Lord in 2019. Run with purpose. You've been put on this planet. Uh, uh, God has saved you. He's given you a path to run. Run that race with purpose. Letter B, notice, run with perspective. Run with perspective. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1. It says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, you know when a verse begins with the word wherefore or therefore, you're to look prior to because it's building on that thought. And we're not going to turn back to Hebrews 11 tonight, but what is Hebrews 11? Hebrews 11 is a long list of people who walked by faith. And guess what they all have in common? I've mentioned this in here a few times before. What does everybody in Hebrews 11 have in common? Were they all perfect? No. Far from it. Some of them made some really, really, really big mistakes. What does everybody in Hebrews 11 have in common? They all finished their race. Every one of them. Uh, You don't find King Saul in Hebrews 11. He didn't finish his race. There's a lot of people that uh, that were flash-in-the-pan Christians along the way. Uh, believers, flash-in-the-pan believers, they don't make the list. Everybody in that list, they finished their race. And the Bible says that we have a cloud of witnesses. Who is that cloud of witnesses? Well, it's those that ran that race before us, and they're sitting in the clouds. They're up there, and they're cheering us on. They're cheering us on. I don't know what those who've gone on to heaven can see. I don't think they can see everything that we do. But I believe at times God gives them glimpses from the grandstands of heaven as to what we're doing. I think about my godly grandmother who passed away uh, some, uh, some nine years ago or so. Imagine she's sitting in the grandstands cheering for me. Praying I'll be faithful in my race. I think of some godly people in this church and other churches I've known who knew me well. I believe they're cheering for me to run my race. You have loved ones that know you. The prophets of old, they know you. They're sitting in the grandstands of heaven and they're cheering for you to run your race. Hey, the next time you want to get discouraged and walk off on the sideline and just quit and give up or run uh, less hard than you ought to and not run with purpose, remember that you have a whole bunch of people who've gone before you and they're hoping and watching and pulling for you to do what's right. Letter C, run with patience. Run with patience. Look at me again at Hebrews 12.1. It says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about... We also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And look here. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Run with patience? It's an odd phrase, isn't it? Now, we've all heard this verse used a lot, preached from a lot. And so you, it, it can almost run in one ear and out the other after a while. But have you ever stopped and thought about that phrase, run with patience? Patience involves waiting. Running involves moving fast. Don't they seem like a contradiction of ideas? That you run with patience? God says here, if you're going to run the Christian life, you have to understand there are going to be times where it's tough. There will be times where you run. There will be times where you walk. There will be times where it's all you can do to stand. But don't quit the race. Hey, run with patience. Some of you here this evening... You have such a high bar set for yourself. 
Such a high bar set for yourself. And when you don't achieve what you expect for yourself, you get into the throes of despair. You're trying to break a habit, and, and you're going along great for a, a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two, and you fall right back into that sinful habit. And you, you think, what's the use of even trying? What's the use of even trying? Have you ever been there? you ever been there? You're trying to break a habit that you know isn't pleasing the Lord, and you're doing great, and then you blow it. And you think, you know what, God, you've got to be tired of me confessing this sin. You've got to be sick of me coming to you and telling you that I'm sorry all over again. Keep me on the pulpit here. Uh, you've got to be sick of that. And the Bible says, hey, listen, run that race with patience. Just run it with patience. Someone wisely said Christianity is not measured in years, it's measured in decades. Not in years, but in decades. You know why that is. Brother Verone, Brother Bonitonibus, uh, Brother Owens, uh, Brother Okai, how many folks have you guys, that have been, you guys have been here a long time, Miss Pam, how many folks have you all seen that have come to this church, gotten on fire for God, been here for six months to a year, and gone? More than you can probably count, right? If all those people were still here, we'd be in a building ten times the size. You know why? They didn't run with patience. They didn't run with patience. You're going to have things not go your way all the time. You're going to fall. You're going to fail. The Bible tells us that a just man riseth up, falls seven times and riseth up again. Letter D, notice, run with persistence. Run with persistence. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus... The author, I love this word, and finisher of our faith. I don't know if you all caught this, that in the Derek Redmond's video. But his dad came alongside of him and he was wearing a hat. Anybody, was anybody able to read the hat? Read the shirt? Well, the hat said, just do it. Now, that's obviously a Nike slogan. Um... Could it be the reason why that young man was committed to finishing the race was because he was raised in a home where dad expected it to get done and you don't quit till you're done? The finisher, the finisher. Are you going to be labeled a finisher? Run with persistence. Hey, look, you're going to wake up some mornings and you're going to feel very godly. You're going to work up, wake up every mornings and you're going to feel like Satan himself. You're going to wake up some mornings and, man, everything goes great. Wake up other mornings and uh, uh, nothing goes right. It's a terrible day. And you get in the flesh and you feel you feel frustrated and bothered at every turn. And you, you're going to wake up some Sunday mornings and, man, it's like, I cannot wait to get to the house of the Lord. You're going to wake up other Sunday mornings and say, oh, I just want to stay in bed and sleep. Hey, do what's right. Get up and run your race and run it with persistence. And finish. One of the most frustrating parts of being a pastor <laughs> is um, when you put your weight on somebody to get something done and they don't show up. Boy, that's frustrating. You know, if, uh, if Joe back here doesn't show up to work, I pay him, not a lot, but I pay him. I can just say, you know, we're going to find someone else. But if you don't show up and you're a volunteer, that's tough, right? I'm not paying you. But can I tell you something this evening? I'm not paying you, but God is. He's going to reward you in heaven. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. You give your word, you're going to do something, follow through on that. Run with persistence. And then lastly, number four, notice the Savior of your race, the Savior of your race. Look down at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2 with me. We'll finish with this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at verse 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Why? Lest ye be wearied and faint. In your minds. I won't rehash the whole story here. 
But I remember when we all climbed in the moving truck. 7823 Oakwood Drive in Oakwood Road in Glen Burnie, Maryland, where we had given four years of our life to ministry and had been rudely dismissed in a very unethical way. I remember getting in there and driving away and in one way feeling relieved from being away from a man who had mistreated me so poorly for a year. But being so heartbroken that the people that we had loved and invested our lives into, knowing we would never see most of them again. I remember going down and walking out of that apartment that we lived in, walking down the stairs, through the through the child's Sunday school class, in through the fellowship hall, into the little auditorium that was there, and sitting down and uh, singing the hymnals and listening to the sermon. I remember looking over, watching tears run down the face of my uh, cheek of my uh, cheeks of my wife. I remember laying in bed and on the wall in that little bedroom we lived in, there was a plaque. And that plaque had been given to us by the Spanish church. A lady in the Spanish church got wind of the fact that we were leaving and quickly ran to the shop and had a plaque made. And it was all in Spanish, but the plaque just basically said, thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing many of us the way of salvation and helping us to grow. And we're going to miss you and we love you. I remember laying in bed at night and having my wife's head lay on my chest, her tears drip Onto my, onto my shirt and soak it and my tears running off my cheeks and landing on the pillows and looking up through those glassy eyes and seeing that plaque on the wall and having the faces of those people that my wife and I led to the Lord and baptized and discipled and knowing that they no longer had a shepherd to love them anymore because we weren't in their lives anymore against our own wills. And I remember laying there and thinking to myself, why am I even doing this? I ought to just throw in the towel. I ought to quit the ministry. I can just go to church once a week and live a life like everybody else. I don't have to be devoted. I don't have to be all in for the Lord. I'm tired of being walked on by people. I just want to quit my race. And God would speak to me in that moment of despair. And He would say to me, Richard, imagine that I'm standing at the finish line with my nail print arms open. And I'm saying to you, keep running, keep running, keep running. Don't stop. Yes, it's tough right now. Yes, you're depleted. Yes, you're discouraged. And yes, Satan is trying to distract you. But pick yourself up and keep running for the Lord. Better days are ahead. And if I could endure the cross, you sure can endure this. I don't know what it is tonight that's getting, that's tempting you to quit the race. But my friend, there is a purpose for the race that you have. And your Savior with nail print hands stands at the finish line outstretched to asking you, pleading with you as the Savior of your race to keep running and keep living the Christian life. And tonight the encouragement to you is this. That grace that was shed at Calvary is going to flow on you so that you can keep the pace that Christ would have for you in the Christian life. Will you commit to do it? Will you commit to do it? Don't quit, my friend. You walk and run the race that God has in front of you. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Lord, thank You for a chance to look at, yes, a familiar passage, but Lord, an oh-so-important one. I don't know who tonight needed this sermon all the way around, There's a few in the auditorium I would suspect need it. But Lord, others carry their burdens and struggles private. And Lord, on such a private level, nobody but them and you know. Lord, help us to run our race with patience. Help us to persist. We one day will be like Paul. Where we can get to the end of our life and say, I have... Finish my course. I have kept the faith. May that be our goal. And Lord, give us your grace until we get to that day. We'll have all of heaven to rest. Lord, I pray when we get to heaven, we'll be thankful that we continued the race.
for the one that's the most discouraged tonight, may you help them to recommit their heart back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet. The piano's playing.